Welcome to the Automation Unplugged podcast, the podcast for technology professionals featuring leading industry personalities. I'm your host, Ron Callis. Today's show features Alex Camara, CEO of Audio Control. After an exciting career in technology startups, including Coinstar and Redbox, London native Alex joined Seattle-based Audio Control in 2011 and ultimately acquired the company in full in 2013. At Audio Control, Alex and his team of obsessive audio experts focus on designing, engineering, and manufacturing in the US of A, some of the most innovative, high-performance audio solutions for residential, commercial, and the automotive markets. We live-streamed this interview on our One Firefly Facebook page on Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020, at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. In this conversation, we discussed Alex's backstory in technology startups before acquiring audio control, Alex's thoughts on approaching conversations within the workplace revolving around race and creating a safe space for all employees. Audio Control's restart message, meaning in light of COVID-19, and how demand for home entertainment has increased and what he is seeing in demand for audio control solutions throughout the country. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do as well. Let's jump into my interview with Alex Camara. Hey, Ron. Um, great to be here. I know we've talked about doing this for a while, and I'm like uh, excited, even at challenging times. This is uh, cool to be talking to you. Thanks. Yeah, man. I've been I've been uh, uh, threatening to have you on the show for a couple of years, and uh, we were we were. I know we started getting this scheduled back in. Uh, I want to say January, February. We tried to we tried to get some dates and times, and uh, and here we are. Um, for Everyone that's that's listening and, and maybe doesn't know you, Alex, where are you coming to us from? So I'm here in uh, Audio Controls Factory, actually live here in Seattle. Um, probably, I don't know, 15, 20 feet away, there's a, a team of 40 people um, literally manufacturing product as we speak, and uh, another 10 people actually about 400 miles away in Spokane, Washington. But yeah, I'm live in the factory here and uh, raring to go. Awesome. And uh, I know that you have... You, like everyone in our industry, has had uh, lots of uh, challenges. There's no other way to say I don't even say they're interesting challenges because I know we would have preferred not to have these challenges. Um, but you you have been uh, fighting back and innovating. And I know we're going to get to an, a bit later in the discussion, this concept of a restart and how to really look at business moving forward. Um before we get there, by the way, Chris is uh, uh, he's one of our, our regular listeners from the UK, and he goes, your show's so diverse, you even got a rule-breaking Brit on it once. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Alex is a Brit as well, Campbell, so that makes, that makes two. Uh, uh, do, do you still uh, call yourself a Brit, or now that you're in America, or are you you're an American? Like, how do you identify as, as British or American or both? I think somebody bought me a T-shirt when I became a citizen, which was, it says on there, it says, um, kind of American, kind of British, you know, so I think it's a bit of both, but I guess really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Brit, you know, you're, I mean, once, you're a Brit, once, once, a Brit at heart. Yeah. 
a Brit at heart, and but living it here in America and loving it here. But it's yeah, I'm a, I'm a Brit at heart. I have to be honest. So, so Alex, uh, I want to uh, get to a couple of different topics here, uh, many different topics. But I always like to start with your background. Like, how did you land here? I I know that you joined uh, Audio Control in 2011, and then you ultimately acquired the company. But I'd I'd love to just understand your background. Uh, as to kind of when did your your start in this space begin, and and what brought you to the present? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I was uh, born in London, um, Chelsea, born in Chelsea in Kensington area. Chelsea supporter for those who are Chelsea fans out there, or, uh, all my life still am. Um, lived in uh, lived in uh, that whole area of London really for my school years. Uh, my first introduction into I think music and movies was actually I was in. Uh, the original Star Wars movie, which is uh, a little bit of a crazy uh, admission, but uh, wait, 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 wait! You yeah. were in the original Star Wars movie. The original Star Wars, yeah. Well, my uh, my mother. Nineteen seventy seven. Was it nineteen seventy seven? Seventy seven. Oh, six, six, six or seven. Yeah. Uh, my mother was an extra, and uh, she was. You know, she would be. She was in central casting, and they were filming at Pinewood, and she would basically phone up in the afternoon and any work for me. You know, what do you need? And they say, "Oh, uh, Sheila, have you been on Star Wars yet? No, not yet. Okay, fine. Be at Pinewood." Tonight for a night shoot at you know 11 p.m. Oh, by, by the way, do you, is there any chance? Do you have any kids at home? This is before there were you know, the rules there are today. He said, "Yeah, I've got my son. Da, 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 he's six years old. You know, oh, a bit young. Okay, can you take him with you? They may use him." And she said, "Okay, I'll take him with me." Because she's thinking, "Oh, another 50 pounds or something." You know, um, basically to cut a long story short, I got there. They put me in a small alien costume, um, and I was in the uh, cantina scene. Okay, which no uh, way. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't know which alien I am, but there's a group of small aliens you can see. I'm I'm one of them, and uh, so anyway, that was my first introduction into. Uh, oh my gosh! I I thought you were cool before, Alex, but now you oh, just went uh, up another five points. I don't get any repeat fees or any money from it, so it's not it's not that great. Believe me. Yeah. That's so, funny. So you started in the movie business at six. Yeah, and actually, I was an actor for a while. I did you know just just fun acting. I always loved. Loved acting, loved drama, loved music, loved technology, and um, but my kid, my I came from a divorced family and um, left school at sixteen. My mom couldn't afford to send me to college, so basically I, I went into food retail and actually had a, a great sort of ten years in food retail, learning about people, business, P and Ls, um, selling because that's really what it's about, selling, you know. Um, and you know, from there. Um, uh, was then made probably redundant about ten years later um, in my sort of uh, gosh late late twenties or something at that point, and um, during that time I'd been I was part of what was called the innovation team at at this company, and we were looking at new retail concepts around the world. I mean, we we'd visited America, we'd visited Dubai, we'd visited all around, and one of the things we found, for those who may know it, was a company called Coinstar, which is the coin counting machines in supermarkets that you just throw all your change into you know and we've been looking at that for the company i was working for in the retail side i got made redundant and then they said to me hey um why don't you join us we're going to start up in europe and we need someone to run the business so i joined them um in uh in europe and uh, um basically went in 1999 i think uh and spent about uh, 11 years with them again first in europe and then they they brought me to the us so big move for me big move for the family came to the us um, at the same time, Coinstar acquired Redbox, so I started working with the Redbox Group, which is the DVD rental companies and so on. I rented from Redbox. Uh, that was that was a little bit uh, that was uh, uh, Blockbuster had been around, 
And then Redbox started showing up, right, in grocery stores and stealing some of the market share from Blockbuster. Was that the? That's exactly exactly right. And you know, we we had literally, you know, it was technology, it was retail, it was it was it was entertainment. And Redbox, you know, we had an amazing run for about four or five years, six years, with nobody else really doing this. You know, so that grew the Coinstar business, it grew the Redbox business, Um, and then I got. Headhunted, and you mentioned Blockbuster. I got headhunted by NCR, National Cash Register, um, out of New York. So I moved to New York, worked for them on Blockbuster Express, which was their own version of Redbox. So okay, uh, so I remember those. Seemed a great idea at the time, I guess you could say. But oh, it, it served its purpose, and then this whole technology thing advanced and and made the whole category obsolete. But you know, who knew? Exactly. And and Blockbuster Express was just a little bit too late into the game for. For Kiosk because Redbox had such a commanding start, but an amazing experience, fascinating experience. You know, we we grew a team in two years and had a lot of fun with that. <clears throat> and then I think that the company realized they were just in it too late. They said, "Do you want to stay and do something different?" And I, to be honest with you, at that time I spent two to three years in New York. Love New York, but you know, I was ready to move back to the West Coast, so came back to the West Coast. Um, uh, started a, a small consulting company actually in technology and entertainment, advice to companies and and self-service kiosks which i was a professional in at the time and then while looking for you know just future opportunities um stumbled across uh, audio control um basically um a friend called mark donegan um knew the owner of audio control tom walker and said you know tom's looking for someone to come in as ceo and you know really sort of help take the company forward and I, you know i visited um i thought i know i'll go, I'll go along and uh, talk to him and Learned a lot about the company. I tend to get, you know, I'm pretty sort of like to understand my, uh, you know, the de- some of the details was, you know, some of the uh, stories around the company. So I went and visited a bunch of dealers and talked to people. And I saw this company, which, you know, this is back in 2011, which really had just this amazing um, brand, amazing engineering, manufacturing in the US, um, all of this just great stuff going on. Um, but to some extent, as Tom would admit himself, said, you know, I really want someone to come in and really help to release this and to, you know, create a path forward and how we're going to move this forward. So joined in 2011 and then uh, in 2013, um, Tom uh, retired and uh, he's still a great advisor to the company. We have lunch every month and um, the rest is history, as they say. Now, I know there's a big component of audio control that's car audio. If you go back to 11, when you got, involved with the business or you became involved with the business was what was the ratio of the the revenue was it all car audio or how how involved were you in the home and where was the the integrator channel in the the channel mix at that time yeah great 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 you know i think back into the 2011 i mean the, the company's always been steeped in this history of making good sound great great products very reliable built here in the us etc 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 and um, about 60% was probably in the car side back, back then. And about 40 was in the residential commercial side, you know, and, and to be fair, I mean, both businesses were learning from each other. That was one of the, the great things then and now, you know, and we, but, you know, we sort of really, now it's probably more like 50, 50 at times, you know what I mean? Both companies are growing. Car is growing still incredibly. I mean, it's just a, it's just, it's just a fascinating market to be in and then you know residential obviously you know for us as we've developed and taken a you know a more aggressive product development path has really reaped some of those benefits particularly in multi-room audio and home theater and 
I think what's you know what's interesting. I often describe it as a bit like schizophrenia. You know, I can go to you know let's say New York and I can spend the morning you know literally you know in a you know a ten million dollar home you know scoping up um, you know a spec for a system there, and then in the afternoon you know I can be in downtown New York you know with some amazing people you know talking car audio. You know, so it's just it's a very interesting sort of. Parallel world. How, how many? I mean, I'm ignorant on this subject, so if you don't mind, um, educate me and our audience. What does the landscape of manufacturing look like? At, you know, when you look at the types of products that you're making, uh, the the diverse set of of audio products, because I, it strikes me that the fact that you're American made it makes you rather rare. Because I'm British I, I'm British. Oh, you mean no, no, the, 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 yeah, no, I, I get it. You're, you're, you're a Brit. You're a Brit. By, by the way, uh, 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 Ted, uh, made the comment. He says, uh, Hey, Alex, uh, he's a Tottenham, uh, Hotspur. I, I think, does that make him the enemy, Alex? Actually, Tottenham's okay. Ch Ch I mean, there's been a few battles in time, but Tottenham's, it's a London team. So I have to, I have to be, be good. If it was, if it was Manchester United, I'd be a little bit less charitable. Got okay. it. Got it. Okay. All right, Ted, he's given you a, he's given you a pass. Yeah. Um, but what, how many companies out there are there in the landscape that are actually manufacturing in America? I mean, as you know, uh, the state of America and the state of the economy nationally and globally, I mean, I, I'm going to predict, uh, I don't think you have to be a rocket science that a lot of manufacturing is going to get brought back to the U S from other countries, from foreign lands. And, but you're already here and you're already the, the made in the USA product. Are there many companies like yours in the U.S.? Uh, I mean, candidly, there aren't. I mean, there there are a few. I you know I, I can think of you know James Loudspeaker and Leon and a few others. But basically, the majority of companies have moved. I mean, they, they are born out of Asia in some way. You know, and you know we had many opportunities to do that over the years, and we always decided not to. You know, we we created a cost model, um, a reliability model, and and more importantly, in some ways, a way of being able to really test our products time and time again that we felt was more efficient and more in tune with our customers here in the US. Now we buy we buy parts from abroad, we have to unfortunately, you know, uh, but we buy a lot of parts. I mean, all our metal is, is from the US and, you know, probably 60% of our parts are from the US, you know. Um, however, you know, we, we decided not to move. We decided, you know, not to move to Asia, not to try and increase our, our supply chain from there too much. And it actually works really well for us. You know, we have great people. They're passionate about what we do. We don't have to rely. One of the interesting things is we don't have to rely on having containers coming in. We can be pretty agile. Like at the moment, you you weren't affected by the tariffs uh, last year. Well, we were on parts. We were on. You parts. were on the electrical component. And actually, what okay. was really and I did a, a couple of interviews on this recently or last year what was really disappointing about that was really American manufacturing and not just in the electronics business but in other industries is tariff for parts brought in from China, you know, um, yet we're manufacturing the products here. And there's, that's a whole separate podcast. Uh, that's a rabbit hole. I probably should. It's no, a no, can no. of worms I shouldn't have opened, maybe. No, no, no. We're, ho we're hoping that changes over time. We're, we're managing it. We've absorbed most of that cost. But, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not great. It's okay. Not great. So um, the, the elephant in the room is obviously uh, the, there's the COVID-19 uh, shutdown or quarantine uh, and that's affected so many people uh, throughout the world here in America and here in America. And then layer onto that, you know, the, the horrible brutality last week 
with George Floyd's death and really the rebirthing and the reawakening of what strikes me as a, a rebirth of the civil rights movement here in America. Um, how are you handling and thinking about all of this? Uh, you know, I mean, let's, let's start with I think, the movement that we're, we're working and talking about this week, obviously, you know, you know, as a British guy, you know, coming to America, obviously I wasn't around during the, the, the civil rights movement previously, you know, um, but, you know, I've been shocked. I mean, shocked by the events of last week, shocked by the death of George Floyd. And I've spent a lot of time uh, listening and learning, you know, a um, few things. I mean, certainly on, on the weekend, you know, I have a good friend who uh, um, she lives in Capitol Hill, which is here in Seattle, which is really one of the main areas for protests. And we were up there safely under COVID conditions, you know, um, with Paulette, my wife, uh, on the weekend. And we took some time to actually go and talk to people and really, as a British person, trying to understand the crux of not just not just the, the, the injustice of what happened to, you know, George Floyd, but also just the deeper questions that have arisen. There's or deep roots in that pain and yeah. anger out there in exactly. society. Uh, and I spent, you know, probably two hours just talking and listening and learning. And I, I thought I, you know what was interesting? I thought I knew it, you know, like two sometimes. And I, and I didn't know it. I was probably, in some ways, as a fairly new person in America, I was scratching the surface of my understanding. So I've learned a lot on the weekend in talking to people and making that, that point to listen and understand. And then on Monday, you know, I spent a lot of time with my team here. You know, we have about 40 people here, uh, all mixed uh, nationalities, all mixed, mixed races. I mean, you know, and, you know, I did a bit of a, a talk to the team and then I spent quite a bit of time, you know, talking to people individually, you know, a bit of a sort of a open door and just really try to, again, understand it. And, you know, th there is a movement here, clearly, and it's an, it's an important movement. And I think we have to listen. Uh, we have to make sure that, you know, people are allowed to use their voice really clearly at this point in time and be understood and heard. We can't, I think, prejudge anything um, there's lots of different ways and different facets where you look at this. Lots of different beliefs and meanings of you know, how the best way to approach this is. And, and I'm passionate, again, about understanding that and trying to help people, you know, create that right path, you know, and be part of, really part of a very important conversation. You know, I, I hope, you know, more than ever that um, we learn from this and we take the right steps it ain't going to change overnight. That's the reality. Um, however, you know, I do believe that the majority of people, not all, but the majority of people are good um, and mean well. And I think the majority of people want to see the right change. And I think this movement at the moment, you know, regardless of your, you know, um, beliefs on, you know, on, on what's right and what's wrong in the way things have been done, I think this movement is important and we have to listen and learn, you know, and, uh, and I'll continue to do that. So. What what are you any advice or considerations for the 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 business owners out there? You know, there there's so much stresses on um the integrator, right? The the person the small business that you and I serve and 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 here they are um at probably the hardest challenge of their business careers. And now one of the most important movements in American history is happening right in front of them. And I think it's incredibly positive. And at the same time, it creates a tremendous amount of uncertainty. Uh, any just thoughts on how the, 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 the folks listening can think 
of how to to cope and manage and and best support their team and their 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 communities? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a general believer in that. You know, ideally, you know, you don't bring religion or politics into work. You know, I mean, everyone has the right and the important right to have their beliefs and to be able to exercise that right and to be able to talk about you know anything. And I think business owners and companies like ours are certainly at today more than ever post you know with with the movement that's currently happening you know have a have a bit of a, of a responsibility there i don't think necessarily anybody what someone does is right or wrong i don't think if someone doesn't post something doesn't mean they're wrong if someone does post something it doesn't mean they're wrong you know i think you know companies should just you know think about that i do think most companies should be part of this conversation you know with their with their teams with their families you know with themselves um and not be afraid to to talk about this I, I it was pretty get emotional on this stuff it was pretty amazing on the weekend just talking to people in the street you know and i wasn't involved in you know where, where some of the troubles in seattle were but i was talking to people in the street on saturday evening and it was uh, pretty amazing in some respects you know and i think the same thing when i talked to my team here i think what was interesting was people a lot of people are far more deeply impacted by this than people maybe recognize who aren't necessarily marching downtown or protesting so i think having that conversation opening up people someone said to me afterwards they said alex you know thanks for doing that on monday because that really you know we just didn't know what to really expect what to do we, we you know it allowed us to talk about it so I, I would just say talk talk about it it doesn't change the business directly obviously but at the same time you know, we need to recognize this movement and understand, you know, how we can, uh, you know, help understand and be part of it in the right way. Now, I, I, I appreciate it. It's a challenging topic, Alex, and I'm putting you on the spot here in this public forum. So I appreciate you you speaking to it. I, I can uh, admit here at One Firefly, I mean, we're also like maybe everyone listening, figuring out what our role is and and how to to practice our beliefs, you know, personally, but then also how to practice those beliefs professionally on behalf of our business or our brands uh, on my, in my case, I'm now also representing many hundreds of brands in the marketplace within our, our space, um, you know, just under 500. And so there's a tremendous amount of responsibility there as well. And, uh, you know, so actually just a little bit later this afternoon, we're having a town hall at one firefly, uh, virtually here. And, and we're going to be discussing, you know, the movement and race and, um, biases that we may have, whether known or unknown. And, uh, I know that my leadership and I are just simply going to be doing a lot of listening. And that, by and, way, that's a key thing, Ron. I think in the conversations I had on the weekend and, and here in the factory, there was a lot of views that I didn't really appreciate, you know, enough, you know, and I think that was one of the biggest things for me and how we're now looking at going forward. We're going to have another meeting on Friday, but I think it was interesting just to hear people in some ways more than I've heard in my time in the U S really talk from the heart, from their experiences, you know, um, and just in, and how do we, Solve it is the wrong word because it's not about solving it. It's a, this is a massive change required. But how do we how do we be part of that change? I guess in the right way, you know that that is right for all. You know, you know, you know. Obviously, you know, yeah. So, 
I agree. I, I, I think change is needed. And uh, I think uh, I, a member of my team emailed me. Uh, I, I'm happy to say at One Firefly, we have a very open, transparent relationship in our team. Anyone on our team can man, you know, message me at any time or talk to me at any time and any member of our leadership team. And, and I've had a number of, you know, communications and discussions. And, um, you know, there, there's a, I want to say belief, there's a fact that regardless of where you stand around race or prejudice, uh, silence is a position and, uh, you know, it's, it's unacceptable. And I, I think what is going to ultimately cause change is all of us of all skin colors of all positions in society, not staying quiet or trying to brush it under the rug, but just addressing it yep. and having the uncomfortable conversations. And, uh, if, if we do that uh, consistently over time, uh, we can make progress. So um, tell, talk to me about the restart. What does that mean? Because that's a term I've heard coming from audio control. I've heard it coming from you in particular. You're being interviewed in different environments. You're, I, I, I'm, on a, I'm in a number of different manufacturing discussion groups where you are very active. I'm on the ASEAN board of directors where you're, you're, you're a partner there and you're very active. What does the restart mean versus, and I'm going to juxtapose that to the term let's recover or let's deal with the recovery because you're not a big fan of the word recovery. Well, I think to me, I mean, you know, obviously that recovery is a word, but I think more positive ways to look at this at the moment for us here at audio control. And to be honest, you know, I think the world is, you know, it's, it, it's, it's termed a restart. You know, we're restarting our businesses. We're restarting our relationships. We're restarting our manufacturing. You know, we're restarting, you know, so much that was really put on hold. And to me, you know, many companies have suffered greatly during this time. Unfortunately, many or some have closed, you know, and that unfortunately is more down to a recovery at that point. But I think in our industry, from what I've learned in the last, you know, three months, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know, Right at the beginning of this, you know, I had some pretty big fears about what was going to happen to our company. You know? I think you and I talked right when this thing went down, and we both were, I think, had tremendous amount of fears as to the unknown. Exactly. I mean, you know, you know we're a U.S. company. We, we manufacture here. You know, um, you know, um, we have a cost base. You know, and right at the beginning, you know, no one really knew what was going to happen. I mean, this, this, I mean, it could have just fallen through the floor. You know, and that's the same for many companies. You know, small, mid-sized like ourselves, as well as large companies that unfortunately and some, some those, businesses did fall through the floor and and will never recover. That's 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 right. You know, and so you know, I went through you know four weeks with the team here. I I'm like just beyond proud of the team that I have here, and in that the way that we approached the first, it's almost like, to us it was almost three sets of four weeks. You know, the first four weeks was really crisis management, cash preservation, crisis management you know, customer contact, you know, we spent probably more time than ever, you know, and we, we spent a lot of time working with customers and clients and so on. But, you know, we were, we were talking to people, you know, from a support point of view, how can we, how can we not just protect ourselves and try and, you know, get us, our, our, our plan right, but how do we, you know, help our customers? And we, we did a lot of, you know, we changed some terms and we changed payment things and we just did a lot of other things. What was interesting is that as we came into the second four week period, you know, we, we sort of look back and thought, okay, well, thank goodness this hasn't, the floor hasn't dropped, you know, 
Yeah, it wasn't as severe as was planned in terms of a potential worst case. Exactly. And, and one of the things that helped us was, you know, we stayed an essential business, as we call it here in, in Washington state. So by nature of, in particular, actually the residential commercial business that we do, that particularly, um, I mean, it's very hard to justify an essential business around a music system in a car, you know, not quite so easy. But when it comes to amplification and DSP and networking and everything else, um, we had a, you know, a, a strong and a good story, you know, the right story, you know, and legal, legal opinion on remaining open, you know. So that was pretty key, obviously, for us. We were able to do that. And actually, in the second four weeks, that really played well to our dealers, who many of them who were either starting to come back on or had found a way that construction was allowable again and actually needed product very quickly. And again, because we're manufacturing here, you know, we're pretty much able to, we have finished goods, but we're also we're able to ramp up and ramp down pretty quickly. We don't, we don't have to wait for a container to arrive from Taiwan or Japan, something, you know, we can literally, you know, say, okay, we need four more of these, boom, you know, and we don't like to, we quite have finished goods, but we were able to really react to it, I think, during the second four weeks. And then the third four week period is what I really call, you know, came out of, out of that with what I've termed, and, I, and it's not my term, but the restart, you know, and, you know, we had sort of eight ways to think about this and we basically had exercises here at audio control and we actually shared this with all our dealers as well you know we had everything from you know we started with it with a launch map as we call it so we created a launch map you know we did work around of that how will we basically restart we then really worked on safety guarantees that was the number two for us safety guarantees for our dealers you know to build back trust you know to make sure that not and not just that our dealers have trust in our products but their customers you know, also felt comfortable about the way a product was made, the way the product was handled even. You know, those we had customers, we had dealers phoning us when things were much less understood. So who touches the product when it leaves the factory? Is the box cleaned down and so on and so on. So we put some of those processes in place just to, re arguably not needed, but to reassure people. And then really then, um, as an essential business, the biggest piece for me personally was safeguarding our employees. You know, we had um, everybody who was asked to come into work on various different shift patterns and you know, moving hours around, everyone came in. And that was just amazing. And everyone played a role. You know, we put, we have, we have PPE here somewhere. We have, we invest in shield. When your crew's out on the factory floor, are they wearing masks? Yep. Everyone's, everyone's wearing masks. Uh, when they're at their workstation, they don't need to wear a mask, but they, when they, as soon as they leave their workstation, they have to wear a mask. We have signage across the floor. I mean, this is this one, this is one of them that, you know, making good sign great. You know, keep one oh, I love the Jabberwocky. <laughs> Bigfoot. So, you know, we, we invested in this, you know, this sort of thing. Try, a little bit of the, of the audio control humor, but on a serious subject. You, but, speaking uh, of that, that humor, you do, there is a thing called audio control humor because I, I have a piece of your gear. I recently... Uh, acquired one of your DSP uh, multi-channel amps for my multi-room audio here at my house. And I was, I read it front to back of the guide because I actually configured it myself. I was very proud of myself. And you have Easter eggs all throughout your brochures. And like, so where does that come from? Because there's like these little random, hilarious little nuggets. And I'm like, it's like super serious and then random fact or a comment you know our, our team member who uh, writes a lot of our manuals just has this little we, we've done this for years just has this little bit of you know subtle humor that we like to sort of inject in 
you know, some of them are very obvious. Some of them are like, is that real? Is that, is this? Oh is yeah, this no, real? there's some super <laughs> subtle references. It'll be in a parentheses and a technical fact and it'll just be like, I think the, uh, I think the reality. Does, does Alex know this is in the brochure? <laughs> I, read, I read every, every manual. Um, the Rialto 400, I think, has has uh, three LED lights on it, a red, a blue, and a green. In fact, I think it has a red and a blue. And in the manual, it says, you know, red, blue, and green. You know, there's no green. And red is like um, standby. Blue is operational. Green is coffee ready. <laughs> coffee, like, your coffee's ready. Yeah, no, things like that. So it's just it's subtle. Uh, on our boxes, if uh, if you get an audio audio control delivery, it's worth opening the bottom flaps of the box and. You know, you you may you may never see this, but it's oh like, no, I didn't. I I tossed the box, but I I I wish I had known that. So what what's underneath the the flaps? Oh, it's things like you know, if you open it this side, you know, the electrons will flow out, or this is the wrong side. You know, what are you doing? It just subtle stuff, and but it's but it's part of it, it is part of your point, Ron. It's part of the culture of the company. It's part of who we are. You know, um, you know, we're a, you know we're a serious technology company. But we want to have some fun along the way, you know. And not everyone, not everyone gets it. We actually get occasionally the other complaint. You need to be real serious. This is just terrible what you're doing. So, and I respect that. You listen people, to that feedback. You might disagree, but you'll listen. But most most people, they they get the meaning of it. Is just trying to bring a little bit of, you know, a little bit of humor to the to to, to a busy industry that we're in. And then the, we start there. So, so we, yeah. Yeah, so re, re, back to the restart. So, yeah, so just finish it. All right, yeah. go, no, go ahead. So I know, then want to transition it to the dealers and what does restart yeah, for them mean? Yeah. And this and this really is what we sent this to the dealers again. You know, we sent, you know, our view of this. Um, it actually originally, you know, this is probably two months ago, it came from a McKinsey report that if anybody wants, please ask me for it. I, you know, I can, I can send it to you because it really goes into detail about this. And like I said, you know, it's the same for us and the same for a dealer. Launch map. Safety guarantees for customers, protect your employees. You know that's non-negotiable. Um, then it's you know once that's in place, you know for us it was reviving demand. You know understanding what our dealers need, um, make sure all, all that's ready. Um, rebooting the supply chain was the next piece, and that's again the same for us or for a dealer. You know that's a major piece for us, particularly you know obviously you know here in the U.S. we're manufacturing here. You know, making sure that because we, we started cutting back on parts and so on, not knowing what, what was going to happen, and now we're ramping back up. So, rebooting the supply chain operations, um, shifting your IT, okay, really important. Your, you know, your your infrastructure back to restart mode because you know people slowed that down. Um, and then the other two, you know, I think is one is you know restarting your business with care, you know, to make sure that 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 trust building continues. And then finally, I think it's about how you reinvest at that point then. So the, the eighth one, the final one really is sustaining your value, sustaining your team and reinvesting. So these are eight just really defined pieces. And we use it as a framework. Um, it's an excellent um, McKinsey report, like I say, share, but we took that and we- Yeah, if, if you can supply that uh, sure. to me, Alex, yeah. I'll, I'll make sure my team puts that into the show notes. Yeah, sure. So I'll for anyone listening on the podcast, uh, just go to the, the One Firefly website, Automation Unplugged, to show 123 and look in the show notes and we'll we'll make sure it's linked. I think I would just finish it by just saying, you know, again, to me, it's not about recovery. Of course it is, but it's not about recovery. It's about how do we restart successfully? You know, business is certainly coming back, you know, strong for us at the moment. I mean, it's, 
because and partly because we were able to adapt and we're pretty agile. We have product available. We're able to. to I mean, we had a, a dealer last week come come to us. He needed eight um, receivers, you know, because he couldn't get them from another company. Um, you know, he's always wanted to use us. Thought about using us, you know, and you know, it's a great opportunity. So he bought eight receivers, literally, and he sent me a video. I'll send it to you one of the of them in in place in one home. It's pretty pretty big home, obviously. Um, but we solved you, know, you, we solved. you and I were talking, I don't know, four or six weeks ago, and you said you had actually received an order from the Middle East for, yeah. I don't know, it was some ginormous, it was the, the was, thing that I have, the, the piece of gear that I have, but it was like 50 of them or 60 of them. 40 of our eight channel, um, D2800s basically. Um, they were, I think they were doing a full Sonos setup, but they needed to have, a, you know, a, DSP a, a, control, a DSP control and a good amplifier and. I think that the um, the the D forty eight the M forty eight hundred has four optical and four coax ports. So literally, they could just run a one U amplifier with four Sonos ports, and it would just be. So they had forty of them, which they they, they wanted in a week. They wanted ten in London and thirty in Dubai. And uh, good lord, about a week were, you, were you able? I know that's a wonderful order, but it's even better when you can actually ship it. Were you yeah, able no, to to meet we, that order? We shipped it not within a week to be candid. We, we shipped it once to London within a week, and then. Uh, the other thirty went about a week later, and we have finished goods normally, but that was that was a you know a sudden big uh, rush in the middle of COVID. So it's little, you know, so it's like you know, um, but, um, yeah. No, that that is what, what what are you seeing in terms of you mentioned demand right this minute is good. What are you seeing across your dealers nationwide? I mean, when when my customers talk to me and I'm sure when they talk to you, they appreciate the perspective we have. That's a national perspective as opposed to just the singular market, maybe that they operate in. They don't know whether what they're doing is, is above or below the average nationwide. So yeah. what, what is the read? What, what are you seeing for the demand for technology in the home and where is that demand? Have the categories pivoted or shifted in any way that's recognizable by you and your team. Yeah, great. I mean, we are, it really is coinciding with the reopening up of the states. You know, you know, obviously New York, California are a little bit, you know, slower because those are a little bit later to open up. Some of the, the mid, you know, central states um, that perhaps, you know, either weren't as badly affected or restart, you know, started up earlier. Um, source and demand. So, you know, we've definitely seen it, it in, in conjunction with the restart. Now, we're not, there's also, I mean, there are dealers in, you know, um, the New York area and California that are working on essential projects for essential businesses that are also doing, you know, uh, uh, needing product quickly, which again, we can react to. So that helps. I think the other pieces that we're seeing is interesting. I was on a call, I do a lot of reading, a lot of sort of listening and so on on various data and so on and I was on a, a, a call for, on a coupon on and about a week or a couple weeks ago now and you know they home entertainment came out as a area no surprise maybe but it was really good to see the stats behind it an area that is not just going to come back in the next 12 months but it's going to come back in the next three months onwards you know and I think there's going to be you know certainly you know, we've seen an increase in home entertainment you know our new X and XR theater receivers and preamps um, which literally are building, you know, right as we speak out here, you know, are, are shipping and getting a lot of demand for that, which is great. You know, people are, I think, sick and tired of their substandard system 
in our homes. You know, I, multi- I was I was tired of the substandard system in my home. That's why I reached out to you. That's right. You said that, okay, yeah. And 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 multi-room, you know, um, and not not just DSP, you know, amplifiers, which is obviously a core of what we do, but also set and go. Just even just good sounding, you know, bulk standard architect type amplifiers, you know, those products. And then the other one that's really taken off, um, particularly in the last four weeks, which I'm, you know, I love, but it's I'm not not surprised, but great to see is our two-channel Rialto, you know, our Rialto Bijou um, type products. You know, these are just high-powered two-channel um, home offices, okay? People's home offices in the last eight weeks, as they've got more and more used to having to work from home, or they thought they'd work from home for four weeks, it ends up being more and more time. Um, that's been a really big product, both working with streamers like Sonos and others, but also just in just putting in to your, um, you can put a, an iPhone onto that, have two nice bookshelf speakers and have a, an amazing experience. So Rialto's and Bijou's have also done really, really well. They're not surprised, but it's been good to see that feedback. And US manufacturers as well. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm the perspective that I'm seeing just to compare notes is, as you said, Cal- parts of California, not all of California, but parts yep. of California, uh, most of the Northeast are just still getting hammered with the, the lockdown, the quarantine. And well, I, spoke to, I spoke to a dealer in um, Northern California, one of our, one of our you know, larger dealers, and he's slammed. I mean, and, you know, he, and, and I've heard that from many dealers I, that are coming back, you know, they are slammed. I think the fear, and it is a real fear, is all the time that we haven't been able, that dealers haven't been able to, sell and create new projects what's potentially could happen in October. yeah i mean that in theory that's going to work yeah. through the pipeline and yeah. it's going to create some you know segment of when when they open up they're going to be slammed but in theory maybe not proven but it seems reasonable or logical there'll be some gap so the logic the logic is definitely you're right that's definitely the logic what i fall back on a little bit and i, I think is the potential is the reports I've read about home entertainment, and that's basically multi-room audio speakers and theater media and so on, that if, you know, if we're smart and we are smart, you know, and we can create, you know, the demand around that through marketing, that could certainly be a shorter term project definition specification that could be, because I think there's a lot of people that will not so much look to now, but will look towards, you know, the holiday season, Thanksgiving and say, you know what, I do not want to sit through this again, or potentially, and I, I hope this is not the case. If my state shuts down again because there's some spike, I really want to be set up better for that. You know, whether yeah, really I think there's no out. doubt the reality, the likelihood of a second wave is very real. If you go back to the Spanish flu, there was three big waves in 1918 and 1919, and um, and so that seems real. And whether it happens, or, we all hope it does not happen. There's no one here hoping that happens. But the fear that it could happen is very real and tangible. And how that's translating, that, you know, what I'm observing, my team and I, is that the consumer of technology, the person, and I'm going to focus for a moment on residential, um, they are not planning a vacation they are believing they might be stuck at for segments of time, you know, you know, weeks or months at a time in their home with their family. Uh, and so they're, they're upgrading their tech. 
They're upgrading their home networks. They're upgrading their entertainment, their home theaters. They're upgrading yep. their outdoor entertainment. And, and that what I, and I'm observing that. I mean, one firefly, you go back to early March, you and I were comparing notes. I mean, I was planning for a very, very, very bad run of it. I, I had no tea leaves or magic eight ball to tell me what was going to happen. Um, the reality is, April and May for when Firefly were incredibly busy, um, ex, you know, exceeded goals type of busy. And we're seeing uh, levels of busyness from our channel, this essential channel of technology contracting businesses at rates in, in certain markets that I've never seen in my yeah. 20 year history in, in, in North America. Um, yeah, and that's why I think to me at the moment as a business owner, it's I'm navigating it week by week, month by month. I, I was navigating it day by day. <laughs> now I'm, I'm I'm back to week by week, month by month, and you know we'll we'll stay really connected to our to our integrators out there and understanding what they're seeing. That's the most important piece. Alex, we we just had a bit of a celebrity stop in and give us a comment. Uh, the the one and only uh, Wim Devos from Spain. Uh, just dropped in and he says, uh, way to go, Ron and Alex. Keep sharing your insights. Uh, great, great guy. I, I just want to be able to dress like him. That's all. If I can just dress like him, I'll be much better. So, he basically. does, man. He's He and his whole crew, they have like a look when they go to events and shows. They they dress to the nines. It's it's impressive. That is that's fine. Real quick, I didn't get to it and I know we're running short on time, but I, I don't know this and I, I actually – uh, told you that I, I would love to hear this story live. Um, what is the origin of audio control? What, oh. what is the, the backstory of the company? Like when you know, did you guys? Yeah. For, for, uh, 1974, 44 years now. Uh, well, 76 maybe. Um, and we basically were an, e an equalizer company. A guy called, for those of you that know the music industry um, and the mixer industry, particularly, Mackie Mixers, you heard of Mackie Mixers, a guy called Greg Mackie, um, entrepreneur, founded the company and he was making equalizers. And, you know, this was, I put it along, you know, you might ask, you know, this was our, our first equalizer, you know, so, uh, you know, and. Is that wood? This is so wood, wood paneling, you know, so, uh, you know, I, mean, I keep, I keep threatening to, to do a, an amp today with wood paneling and just see if we sell it, you know, but uh, this was the first product, you know, um, and we did equalizers. So I wasn't, I wasn't around then. I wasn't born 40 years ago. Maybe. Um, but we, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we did uh, yeah, equalizers, and then um, and it started off in the, actually the residential side, the commercial side. Uh, most people think we started in car audio. We actually started residential. Uh, he then brought the same equalization technology into the car as well. Um, you know, and, and you know, had this concept really of how do I bring the experience in the home into the car and vice versa, and that's something we still live by and talk about today. Um, and then really just developed from there and just developed a great team. Uh, always always been here in the northwest of, of the United States in the Seattle area, which is where there was such an amazing history and legacy of audio. You know, and unfortunately, that, most of that's gone now. But, um, but that's really where we started. And uh, um, the factory here, the factory, we, we built a factory as well, in a small factory in Spokane because Boeing kept stealing all our employees. <laughs> so... Uh, in all our engineers, so we have to deal with that. But, um, and uh, yeah, so uh, we've been here ever since. 
And then uh, one other, uh, I'm going to say the story has a positive ending, so I'm going to bring it up. I, I, I would not have otherwise. But um, a, a very well-known and beloved member of your team, Chris Kane, uh, actually came down with COVID-19. He did. And yeah. he became very, very ill. Yes, he did. Uh, Chris uh, certainly braved the storm there. He uh, actually contracted it at an injury event um, from another person who was obviously affected. And um, he uh, you know, came back and, uh, you know, luckily he wasn't working in the factory at all, but he, you know, a few days later felt ill and went to hospital and had trouble breathing and pretty, pretty serious, you know, for sure. You know, um, you know, luckily, you know, this was, and this was right at the beginning. When people were this still, was at the beginning. He made national headlines, right? He was on CNN. You know, uh, I have to pay him appearance money to come to work now. So Is that what? Because he's he's yeah. famous. Does he does he ask for autographs when he shows he up now? He does. He does. You know, and, uh, you know, and, and you know, luckily, you know, he went into. I remember him phoning me and saying, "You know, Alex, you know, I'm breathing. I can't walk very well." And he, was, and he was in the hospital at the time and uh, segregated off. And, but he said, "You know, they're going to try me on this remdesivir." Try to pronounce that wrong, but this remdesivir drug is part of a of an early stage trial. I'm just going to do it. What, what's you know what's the harm? And he was one of the first to do it. And literally within a couple of days, I was talking to him, and he was pretty much walking, not normally, but pretty much walking again and breathing, you know, without any assistance of oxygen and so on. And um, he's now fully back at work and doing his stuff. And uh, he's fully healed, fully recovered. Yep, yep. You know, he's uh, he actually went and had a you know just a I think it's part of the because he was in this trial that they're monitoring everything from I'm sure blood counts, oxygen levels to and he had another COVID test the other day and uh, he was he's fine. And, you know, antibodies are building and I think I think they're going to use his blood for something. And whatever, so I mean, he can do that. Yeah. So. Is is that drug that I, I don't know how to pronounce it, but is that drug uh, actually now an approved uh, drug think, to help treat it, or was this just a random outlier? Oh, in a data one, set. Yeah, this is the one that Gilead, if you know G-I-L-E-A-D, I think you pronounce Gilead. Gilead is uh, basically all over the news at the moment. I think they have some degree of FDA approval or accelerated approval, uh, and it's being used now in hospitals. Oh, Chris just commented. I got it, and then I'm going to get to Mary Ellen. But Chris just says, glad to be back with everyone. Chris, we're yeah. glad you're back as well, man. Glad you what, – what, what was the drug that you took, Chris? Can you type that into the comments? I, or I could just Google your name and CNN and all the other news outlets would pop up and I'd, I'd see it in the headlines. Uh, but I, I knew that I, I, it was... I, know, I pronounce it really badly. So it's... Um, you know, lucky I don't something know. Veer. Remisavir? Or rem remisavir. Well, yeah. something, something exotic like that. Uh, certainly, I mean, you know, God, God forbid, you know, if I contracted it, I would certainly call Chris straight away and ask him the name of that drug. Yeah. There he goes. He just put it in the comments. Rem oh, yeah. Remdesivir. Yeah. Well, Remdesivir. It's close. <laughs> yeah, we, we were kind of close. Uh, and then we have Mary Ellen, uh, our good industry friend. Hi. She says, hi, all. We need to do a show together. Absolutely, Mary Ellen. And Mary Ellen has been very active over there with uh, the Restrepos on the, the Meepo channel. And uh, I know because I was on a show on Monday with Michael. And, yeah, she's, uh, she's, a, she's a star of the industry, that's for sure. So. She is a rock star. Well, Alex, it has uh, it has been a, a blast. Can you believe we've almost been here for an hour? Um, oh, yeah, I thought it was three hours we were doing. No? You thought it was three? Oh, you're ready for three hours? We can keep going. 
no, no. I'm, I know you have a, a business uh, to run, so I'm going to get you back to that. But for those um, listening and or watching live uh, or watching and replay, uh, what is the best way if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about audio control? What What is the direction? I mean, obviously, we've got our audiocontrol.com website, but uh, my email is alex.c at audiocontrol.com. And my uh, cell number, and I love to talk to people all the time about stuff or get, give advice, is 425 749 8465. And I've got a crawler on the screen for those watching. Did I get the email address correct? Perfect. Awesome. So that's alex.c at audiocontrol.com. And uh, we'll also put your phone number that you just gave us. We'll put that down in the show notes as well for those that want to reach out. And uh, Alex, it was uh, it was a blast having you on the show, my friend. Great. And once again, Ron, I think thank you for introducing and raising the topic of the movement and, and the issues today. I think that's really important. I appreciate you raising that. I think it's a it's a conversation that needs to continue. And I appreciate you talking about it on the program. Yeah, I we can't hide from it. And we need to bring it up front and, and as fearful or, or as maybe hard as it is, it's it's the only option. It's the only way we'll make change that's permanent. So um yeah no my 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 pleasure and uh my honor and uh, i appreciate you being willing and gracious to talk about it publicly here and how you're thinking about it and how you're what you're doing about it and how you're acting so thank you thanks everyone thank you thanks for tuning in to another episode of automation unplugged for a full transcript of this show and all previous shows, head over to our website at onefirefly.com forward slash AU. There you'll find links to all transcripts, show notes, Facebook Live recordings, and resources mentioned during the show. If you enjoyed this episode and like to hear more, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please follow us on social media. We are at One Firefly LLC on all platforms. Don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Automation Unplugged as we dive deeper into technology trends and the fascinating people that make up the custom integration industry. Bye for now.